Okay, Rabbi Say, let's learn, let's study some Torah Davidom. There's, there's an Indian that we speak about with a lot of frequency in Parshas Chayasar Daf Torah, but, but I want to study it again. I really want to study it. And it's something maybe from the most fundamental, from the top, top of the list fundamental principles that we study in Yeshiva. In Aftar, it describes Vamelech David. David Amelech Zakein Babayamim. He was an old man. Vayichaseyu Babagodim. And they put clothing on him. Vlayichamloi. And it did not warm him. Alas, he was old and cold. And clothing did not warm him. Chazal teach us, what's this thing? You put on clothing, you get warm. Geshmak. You put on some clothing, ah, you bundle up in clothing, delicious. It's one of the wonders and beauties of winter. It's almost geshmak that this winter, so they could bundle up and warm up. Everybody has their own sticks for warming up. I'm not the biggest coat guy. It's not, I just don't like coats that much. I always feel I'm a big hat guy. I always find if I had one garment, either a hat or a coat, I think a hat causes much more warmth than a coat. Your ears. A coat, another, I don't know, my, this part is not really cold. The short coat, I don't know what they do exactly. I would rather than a coat, a tight sweater. Tight sweatshirt, like hugs you, like kicks you warmer. A hat's very good because the ears freeze right here, freezes. I'm a very big hat guy. But anyway, part of the delights of winter is getting warm. There are some people who purposely like sleeping in cold rooms because they feel cozier under the cover. Like Nebuch, somebody lives in California, never has that chance in cold weather to really. So it's geschmack. It's part of the beauty of living in the tri-state area that would be freezing winters. And you get to cozy up under a cover. The reality is that the goddamn warm. And here's David HaMelech B'Saif Yamav, and he wears B'Gadim, and it doesn't warm him. Chazal tell us that the secret is that it was an Einish, it was a punishment to David HaMelech. Oh, yeah. David HaMelech showed, quote-unquote, a disrespect for B'Gadim, and since he disrespected B'Gadim, Aaron, the B'Gadim didn't warm him. What's the story that David HaMelech disrespected garments? He's running away from King Shaul, Shaul HaMelech held David as a mayrid b'malchus, is rebellious against the king. And Shaul HaMelech is chasing David to kill him. David HaMelech's hiding in a cave, and Shaul HaMelech's looking around for him. Now David, from his hiding spot in the cave, could have actually killed Shaul HaMelech. Shaul's looking around the cave. David, instead of killing Shaul HaMelech, slices the corner of his garment off. Takes a little cut. Cuts of his garment. When they're at a safe distance, David Amal says, Show! Yes. He says, I'm here and I'll prove to you that I'm not rebellious to the king. Because if I wanted, I could have killed you and didn't. He says, Prove it. He says, Look at your garment and you'll see a snip missing. I cut off. Here's a piece of your garment. I was at arm's length. I could have killed you. I'm obviously not Omar B'Malchus. Says Chazal, since David cut Shaul HaMelech's garment, he showed a disrespect to clothing. Now you might ask, he was saving his life. Clearly Chazal felt he could have done it in a different way. And since Morty showed a disrespect to clothing, later in his life, clothing didn't warm him. 
And David, we learn a very, very important concept from here. It's not just an aberration, Martha. It sounds like such an interesting thing. He didn't respect clothing and they didn't warm him. We learn the following concept, David. What unleashes the power of an item in this world is respect. If you mechabit a beged, it gives the beged its kayach. David HaMelech didn't respect garments. They lost their power. Most naturally, garments warm. David HaMelech didn't respect the garment. It lost its kayach. One chazal. This week's after. Pasuk number two. Pasuk and Mishlei. Yeroe mitzvah hu yishalim. Hu yishulam. He who reveres a mitzvah will be made whole. Mitzvahs bring Kedusha to a Yid. Mitzvahs elevate a Yid. You know how much mitzvahs elevate you according to your respect you have for mitzvahs. Yehroi a mitzvah. If you revere a mitzvah, Yeshulam, then the mitzvah will impact you. The mitzvah impacts you as much as you fear, as much as you revere it. If a person talks by davening, it affects the kayach, a prayer. You don't have respect for prayer. Prayer doesn't in turn work for you. Yehroi mitzvah. If you revere a mitzvah, then it unleashes the natural kayach of a mitzvah to impact. When Rabbi Steinman Zatzal came to America at the end of his life, he had this massive godl, it was a masma nifla, and he traveled America to give chizuk. He traveled the world, really. He wanted to see his brothers, the Yidden, his people, amazingly. And Rabbi Steinman, this holy malach Hashem, traveled to see Yidden all over the world. Do you know his big message was? He said, we're in very difficult times, and we need to unleash the kayach of Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos is Mekar Abrachas, the source of blessing. person wants blessing in their life. Of course, they're showing me Shabbos. Shabbos is Mekar Abracha. It's the source of all blessing. Said Rev Steinman, in order to unleash its Kayach, we have to show more respect for Shabbos. And he asked people to be readier earlier for Shabbos. That was his main message. When he traveled around everywhere he went, he felt we need to unleash the, the Kayach of Shabbos. What unleashes the bracha of Shabbos is more respect for Shabbos. Be ready earlier. That's how Stein went around. We find a basic principle. The power that lies dormant in something, what brings it out? Respect. Respect the mitzvah, the mitzvah's kayach of elevating a yid, of impacting a yid, of changing a yid is unleashed. Respect the beged, its power of warming is unleashed. <coughs> Well, now we have the secret to human beings. Respect the human being, it unleashes its kayak. The Rambam, in Hilchus Talmud Torah, Perakei Alochi Yad Gimel, says the Rebbe is mechoyev to be mechabed his Talmud, to respect his student. Respect doesn't mean not to rip him, to say nice things. You're a nice boy, that's not good respect. Respect is to look at somebody as precious. How do you respect the mitzvah? Hmm? How do you respect the mitzvah? Honoring the mitzvah, appreciating its value. Appreciate its value. They're all different tricks. How to, they're people who put on special begotten when they perform a mitzvah. They want to show this is valuable. You do, there's a certain approach. The Messiah Sharm says not to do a mitzvah, but pass up pass. Not do a mitzvah suddenly with Bahala. Slow down one second. I'm about to do something special. Maybe wash your hands before you do the mitzvah. There's a whole approach to mitzvahs that I value. This is an important deed. Show respect to a mitzvah, and the mitzvah unleashes its kayach. 
Human beings work the same. Show respect to a human being real, and it unleashes massive koiches that are dormant in the person. That is how Hashem designed the world. Respect something, it unleashes its koich. Disrespect, and it doesn't have its koich. So that was the first message that I wanted to speak from Chayesar from the Haftarah. I think this is a massive principle. There's a massive principle of all items in the world. Showing respect to things gives it its koyach. You'd be surprised, it's funny, we speak about respecting garments, and it's not the topic I want to speak about now. Showing respect to garments, there was a Yidreb Schwab from Munsi, Mardchus from Munsi. It's Judah's father's Rebbe. Rebbe Schwab, when he threw out his clothing, he first would save it for a while. And, put, and he was very, very gentle with it. They served me. It was like a gedder of Akar Satoiv. But he was mechabed his clothing. That was like Akar Satoiv. But show respect to inanimate objects and it unleashes their force. Show respect to mitzvahs and it unleashes their koyach. Show respect to people and it unleashes their power. That is a basic principle. The principle I wanted to share is respect people unleashes their power. If you literally, you could try it in yeshiva, I'm not talking about pretend. I'm not talking about urinalism. I'm talking about when a dorm counselor here discovers a bacher, he starts physically looking more handsome. I kid you not. I saw this recently. Physically, the guy like, he had, he just, he was feeling it. You literally unleash the kayach of a person when you respect the person. That's how people work. You show them respect. You unleash their kayak. Their whole kayak starts start shining forth. Forth. That's how the world works. From the Aftira, that was message number one. Very briefly, to get to message two is a topic I spoke earlier in the parish and earlier in the week in Chayasara. But I want to read a pasuk that's like startling to me. It's stunning. I think there's one of the great Hespedim ever delivered. It's interesting. The beginning of the parish, Avram Avinu says a eulogy for Sari Imenu. Late in the parish, Avram Avinu's nifter. Very difficult parish. We lose Avram and Sara in this week's parish, Chay Sara. And in Avram Avinu's death, the Torah says a word that like takes my breath away. It's like, <gasps> you, you can't believe this. Listen to this. Vayigva Vayamas. Avram Avinu dies. Viseva Taiva. Good old age, Zakin, he's old. And the next word is like stunning, Saveya. Saveya means satisfied. I can't believe you could say that on a human being at the end of his life. He was satisfied, Saveya. That's like breathtaking, Saveya. In what world is somebody died who's satisfied? Saveya, he was satisfied. It's literal, it's a shocking. This is the Torah. That's Kulay Emes. There's no exact, it's written by God. There's no word. In what world could you say somebody died satisfied? Saveya. I want to show you Rishonim. Arya, could you get me a Mikrois Kedailis, please? In the corner, we have Mikrois Kedailis Boratius. Rabbi. Ah, thank you, thank you. You take that one. We'll each take one. Ah, perfect, perfect. Thanks a million. Now look it up, look it up, Saivea. It's Perek Havdalid, Perek Havdalid Pasuk Ches. 
Says the Ramban, says the Ramban, Shera Kol Mishalei Sliboy, all the desires he saw, Visava Kol Toivan, he was like satiated. He says, it's a, the Ramban goes on, it's a Zemida Toivan Behem, Zemida Toivan Sadikim, Shela Yisavu B'Maisares, they don't desire extra things. Normally, he brings the, the kahelas that it says, A person doesn't leave the world. Says the Ramban. Normally, a person doesn't leave the world. He doesn't have half his taivas. Like it says, if somebody has a mana, wants masayim. Somebody has 200, wants 400. On Avram Avinu, it says an awesome thing. He's surveyor. He's soiveya, he's satisfied. He was nifter satisfied. There's, there's one Indian Rabbi say of satisfied Sameach Bechelkoi. To say this on a person, for Hashem to testify, he died satisfied. In any Gashmistic sense, who's satisfied? People craving, wanting. He's soiveya, he's satisfied. You cannot don't hear this. If I could share something, the Ramban says a second shot. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. The Ramban says a second shot. The Ramban says, Amra Kodesh Baruch Hashem shows Sadiq in their schar and oilum abba, the nasham sveya, and they're satisfied. They and then they and then they die, they're nifter. He brings a medrash that Hashem reveals to tzaddikim. I told you before Reb Miller was nifter, he told his family that they've been giving me assurances from heaven. They say, I'm just not at liberty to tell you more. And the Ramban says in the medrash that Hashem shows tzaddikim their and their seifeya, they're satisfied. I want to share something, Daniel, with you that I've experienced in the yeshiva that I want you to hear. We have a basketball team called the Wolfpack. It's a very good year to say because we don't know what's going to be. The Yeshiva League right now is on hold. Nobody knows if it's happening. But we've had, we've had years. I'm thinking back to two years ago. You have the Yeshiva team. You have the Yeshiva League team. Now, how often does it end satisfactory? First of all, if there are 20 teams in the league, only one team wins the whole thing. So 19 teams, it didn't end satisfactory. And by the way, the team wins. Did you get the playing time? How many guys on the team are the stars get to shoot as much as they want? Get how much playing time as they want? So you already narrowed it down. The guy's the bench player, the role player. He didn't get so many shots. And then the guy who's the champion, he visualized what it's going to feel like upon winning. You know, then you win, Okay. <laughs> He pictures that parade down here. What do they call the parade that they do? The Yankees win the championship. Fifth Avenue. What? What's Fifth it called? Fifth Avenue parade. What? Ticker Day parade. But there's a name yeah. they call it the Valley of Heroes. 
What do they call it? There's a name for it. Hever. Balaam's not holding in this. I'm the only Meshuggah. The York, Valley of Heroes, they call it something. New York, number one. Okay, there's a name. Bless your souls that you don't know. I'm proud of you. But the bottom line is, nobody knows. Okay, we're not settling for this. Could you, Hever, let's go. Google, Uber it, text it, social media, let's go. Just whatever. Today, there's no such thing as not knowing. You, you, you put on your phone. Canyon of Heroes or something. Yes. What? Canyon of Heroes. Canyon of Heroes. Hevra, little knowledge. That's where. Look, look up. Where is Canyon of Heroes? Yehuda, let's go. That's where the Yankees parade. It's probably Fifth Avenue. That's where all of them are. They're well-rounded education here. Of course. Of course. Like I don't want that. The Canyon of Heroes. Oh, New York, New York, New York, Broadway. Chamber Street, New York, Broadway. Hevra, let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's go. So the team wins. They march down the Canyon of Heroes. That everybody knows that. <laughs> you guys have never seen it. Oh, it's downtown. It's very, very nice street, and that's where they march. Avalo, come on. You got where they march? What's it called? Canyon of Heroes. The Canyon of Heroes. Let's go. That's right. Brownstein would know in 36. Put right Brownstein on speaker. Yoel, right Brownstein on speaker. Okay, Ariel, right Brownstein on speaker. What's the Watch this. Watch this. Right Brownstein will know a little, a little bikiyas, Hebra. Ask right Brownstein. They march. What's it called when they win the championship? Lay out on. Oh, oh, he's right outside. Outside. He told me he knew. I was calling. Is he? Yeah. He's gonna come and call him in. I just want you to see a little bit kiss. He's calling him now. He's wondering why every single guy inside is calling him. Oh, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Guys, what do you think? He knows it or not? No. All who think he's going to know it. Of course he knows it. He knows everything. I never, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never got him on one of these. Okay, this, it's 50. Joel, did you say anything? It's 50. He's on the phone. While he's on the phone, he'll know it. He's talking to the president. Right, Brownstein Schlitter. 50, 50, 50% believe you know everything, 50% think you won't know this. Right, Brownstein, the Yankees, they win the World Series, they march. What's the name of the area they march? Da da da. You are this is, a, this is a glorious moment in my life. I've never told Rabbi Brownstein something. I'll tell you a funny story in a minute. <laughs> but not Wood Street. It's a nickname to the street. They call it the... Sneer Wall Street. They call it a name where they walk. The Canyon. Oh, the Canyon of Heroes. Ah! <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs>
<laughs> he was getting the street. That I'm not like. <laughs> the canyon of heroes. None of the chaver knew right Brownstein. What do we? What do we teach here in the afternoons? <laughs> Somebody said they haven't won since yeah, guy, haven't guys won. were kids. Oh, Somebody has to call Steinbrenner and say nobody knows anymore. We you march when you win. Poor Viggy's been waiting. He would have gone ten times. Yeah. yeah. It's like too painful. Where did the Yankees march when they win? Like Viggy started shaking when I said that. The Canyon of Heroes, Vig. You would have should have known that. Okay, they haven't marched here. Okay. Maybe this year, who knows? Who knows, Viggs? Canyon of Heroes. What had, now you'd have to take how in the world did I get here, Kevin? What was I doing with this? Not that I was getting someone. What's the funny story? So the guy pitched up. I say, how often is a guy's experience, Chevre Daniel, a guy's on varsity, how in a serious way, Daniel, how often could you say at the end of the year that was satisfying? In a real way, if there are 20 teams, I mean it seriously, how many guys walk away that was mamish? I'm like filled up from it. Zero, a half a guy? The, t- the six best guys on the winner. I love you. Even that, it's not six. Because that guy, it wasn't a mom. You know, the guy pictured for years. What it, the guy who practiced his brains and he sat in the gym, gave up every pleasure known to man. Then you won. It's not, the answer is zero, maybe a half. It's not what it, come on. I want to tell you two years ago, I mean this, I promise you could ask anybody who was there. The entire team, we had a regular record, maybe we made it, won a game in the playoffs maybe. The entire team was satisfied. Happy, satisfied. I want to say that the games, guys respected each other, we grew as a group. Guys had fun, and every guy knows the game is nothing. That's cute, cute stuff. They're all been tired. It was like very positive. Eternity came out of the experience. It was a wonderful outlet and a break. It was what it was supposed to be. Every single guy, you could ask, the guy you didn't get any minutes, and I admit there were minutes of frustration early. As it was going, guys would just encourage each other, stood by each other, and each, it was just a good experience. It was Saveya. The only way Gashmias could be satisfactory is if it's used for what it's meant to be. If it's used what it's meant to be. My visual of this, my father played paddleball every Friday with a partner by this for 35 years. The same partner, cold, hot, they play through the winter. You know, paddle balls, that hard blue ball. Not my blue ball from the slap ball that I'm dying to play. A, a hard, a paddle balls, you know, you know that ball, Mark. The knows the hard, but it's a rock. So you know paddle ball, that rock-like ball. Yeah, you said, a good Pesach. Yeah, 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 no, no. No, that's slap ball. No paddle ball. It's a rock. It's a rock. It hurts. You have to wear a glove. Racket ball. No, this paddle ball. You have to wear a glove. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not a punch ball. No, sir. You have to wear a glove. If you try playing slap ball with broken bones, it's a hard, it's a rock. Who here? You guys? 
It's a hard. I'm, I'm gonna bring it in. It's black or blue, but it's a rock. You never felt a harder ball in your life. A good Yeah, wooden racket. Paddle balls are. Yo, yo, you know what a paddle ball looks like? It's a rock. I know where you're I owe show and tell. I owe to bring in. I have to get a slap ball so we play. I have to buy a paddle ball so Chaim Tzvi could see it. The bottom line is, Chavers, my father would play every Friday paddle ball. And in the oh. courts next to it, there were Goyim playing also. And I just would think of the difference, two people on the same court. And one guy, it's his life. And, one, and, and some people are, are, are steiging and serving Hashem and it's their break. It's perfectly in place for what it's supposed to be. When it's in place, it's shayach to say saveya. That year, the, the varsity, and guys used it right. There was saveya. It was like a satisfying experience. Why was satisfying? Because you used it right. Because it was what it was supposed to be. This statement on Avram Avinu's Gashmias, on his experience in this world, he was saveya. I, it's like, it's, it's goosebump worthy. It's to aspire in our own lives. That it was a satisfy, was satisfied. Saveya. It's funny, it's the shortest eulogy I ever heard in my life. It's a one word eulogy. It was Saveya. Said by Hashem. To say that on a person that it was satisfying. Now, Chazal say Hashem shows them eternity. The point was that it was the beginning of something. It was turned into eternity. Saveya, they're perfectly happy. It was utilized right. That's this amazing statement that Avram Avinu was Vayamas, Vesevatan, Vizakim, Vesaveya. He was old and completely satisfied. That is the eulogy on, said for Avram Avinu. Amazing, amazing eulogy on Avram Avinu. Interesting. It says Avram Avinu died b'seva toifa. I just want to mention that he. It was a good old age. Rashi says, "What's the seva toifa? It's a old age." So it says, "Vayikbruisa Yitzchak v'Yishmal Banav." Yitzchak and Yishmal buried, buried. Um, Yitzchak and Yishmal buried Avram. Who was older, Abayisa? Yitzchak or Yishmal? Yishmal. So shouldn't it be Vayik Broisa Yishmal the Yitzchak? Says Rashi Mikan Shaasi Yishmal Tshuva. Yishmal did Tshuva. Vahelich as Yitzchak Lefanav. He put Yitzchak in front of him. Veseva Toiv Shenem Bavram Avinu. That's the Seva Toiv of Avram Avinu. Yishmal did Tshuva. I want to learn a little, a little sophisticated with you, Vigi. Hashem wants to tell me that Yishmal did Tshuva Martcha. There are a lot of ways of saying he did Tshuva. Could say he put on tefillin that day. Hashem wants to tell me Yishmol did tshuva. What is the way that Hashem decides to tell us Yishmol did tshuva? He put Yitzchak in front of him. He was mechabed Yitzchak. He knew what belongs where. I'm very, very taken by the description of Yishmol's tshuva bainish. There are many ways Hashem could tell us Yishmol did tshuva. And fascinatingly, what's the Mikani did tshuva? He knew his role and his place. Yitzchak comes first. We're so used to thinking tshuva means that he was the God Ladr, that he, that he shtayed, that he, his tshuva that he shtayed, does he knew his place. Mikan shasa tshuva. That's the tshuva. And Avram Avinu was nifter b'seva toiva because Yishmal was a tzaddik. It's a tzaddik. What's Yishmal's sitkas? He put Yitzchak in front. 
that he was makir where he was, who he was, and he put Yitzchak in front, Mikan Shasachuva. Knowing our spot, knowing our role, knowing how we belong, being comfortable where we belong, Mikan Shasachuva. That is the Spitz Chaimsvi that he did Shuva. He knew his place. He was makir, his makim. That is the Seva Toiv of Avram Avinu. Each of his kids found their spot. Yitzchak as the Tzadik Hadar. Yishmael humbled in front of Yitzchak. That was his role. He understood. And that was the Tshuva, the end of the life of Avram Avinu. The Seva Toiv of Avram is each of his children had their place. Yitzchak at the front. Yishmael humbled to Yitzchak. Mikan! He was humble to Yitzchak. He knew his spat. He knew his role. He knew what he was supposed to do. Mikan shasi yishmal tshuva. And he put Yitzchak in front of. That's the seva toiva. That's the seva toiva of Avram Avinu. I want to show you, I think it's a Dasikanum. Let me just look up. bears with me. Can I ask you a question, Hebra? I have a question. I, I need to find the das. Can I ask the Hebra question? Mark, let me ask you a question. Yosef, tell me what you think. Yehud, I need an answer to this. There's an elaborate story in the parsha of Avram Avinu sending Eliezer 
The Torah is Meirich. Avram sends Eliezer, I want you to find the Shirech for Yitzchak. And the Torah says the whole story. Avram el Avdoi. He says, swear. And he says, I want you to swear that you won't take somebody from Benais Knan. Go to my country and take an Isha Livnili Yitzchak. Take a wife. Please go to my country and take somebody for Yitzchak. So the Eved says to Yitzchak, says Tavram, Ulai, perhaps what do you want from me? Maybe she, if I go to that country, maybe the girl won't want to come back. Should I bring your son there? Savram said, no, 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 no. Don't bring my son there. Don't do that. If she doesn't want to come, so then you're putter from your shvua. You're off the hook. So that's the sugya. Avram says, I don't want somebody from Benoist Knan. This country, I don't want a kid. He didn't want a kid from this country. I want a kid from my family. Go there to get a girl for my son. And then bring that girl back here. Frecht Eliezer, but let's say she doesn't want to come with me. Should I bring Yitzchak there? Avram says, no, no, no. She doesn't want to come. You're off the hook. Don't bring Yitzchak there. Okay. That's the story. When... Eliezer repeats over the story. Eliezer now is there. He's by Besuel's house. And he repeats over the story. So the Torah is Meirech. Chazal speak about that. He says, My master made me swear not to get a girl from Canaan. Instead, to go to base Avi and get me a wife. I said to my master... Maybe the girl won't want to come back. He said to me, bring her back. If she doesn't want to come back, you're off the hook. Don't bring my son there. So he repeats over those stories. When Eliezer repeats over the story, it says, Eliezer said to Avram, Maybe the girl won't want to come. The Ulai is missing above. It says, Aleph Lamid Yud. It's, it's, we, have a mis, it's, we read it, Ulai, but it's spelled as if it says Eli. Explains Rashi that, why does it say Eli? It should say Ulai, because Eliezer really hoped. Says Rashi, Bas Hoysel Eliezer. Eliezer had a daughter. He was trying to get Avram. He was really hoping, Avram, just take my daughter. So when he said, Ulai, she won't want to come back, he really was looking for excuses just to say, you know what, let me just marry you. Yitzhak should just marry your daughter. So Ulai is really Eli. I re- he said, she might not want to come back. Ulai, maybe. He really was saying, Eli, could you just, he was looking for excuses. Can you just let Yitzhak marry my daughter? Why did he offer to bring Yitzchak then? What? Why did he offer to bring Yitzchak? He was just looking. Maybe she might not want to come back. You think I should bring Yitzchak? He was looking for, to make problems. He knew Avram didn't want to come there. So I said, no, 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 no. You're free from your shoes. Don't bring my son. He knew Avram didn't want to bring Yitzchak there. So he said to Avram, she might not want to come back. Ulai, hey, maybe she won't want to come back. He wasn't really saying, she really was saying, you know, could we just take my daughter? Avram, what are you doing? Just take. So Ulai is a light to me. 
Martha, my question is, Chaim Tzvi, is why is this Ulai Eli only when he was repeating over the story? Why doesn't it say it the first time? I want to say like you. No, I like what you're saying. Exactly. Why doesn't it say it the first time? When Hashem first records the story, it says, Ulai, she won't want to come back. When the story happens in real time, it says, Ulai, maybe she won't want to come back. When Eliezer repeats over the story, the Torah leaves out to Ulai and says, Eli. Why don't it say it the first time? When the story was happening in real time, Hevra. Martha, you hear what's going on? Is that a good kasha? Why in real time didn't it say Eli, the Ulai Eli? It's as if the Torah lied, like Ulai with the Vav. The first time it was Ulai with the Vav, maybe she want to come back, and Hashem says it. When Eliezer repeats it over, it says Eli, this Ulai Eli. Then Hashem, why does Hashem reveal this bias only in the repetition of the story? The first time is when he said to Avram, Ulai, there it has the Vav. It's spelled and written Ulai. Only when Eliezer repeated over the stories that say Eli. Yes, Viggy. Says Viggy the first time in real time. He did the Torah doesn't record it because it was hidden. Nobody knew it. When he was saying over the whole story, it was like I didn't. When he repeated it over, he was yoyed to the Ulai Eli problem. The first time it was wasn't noticed the Ulai Eli. When he said it over and he started repeating the story, he called himself out. I don't know the answer, and I asked, I think there's a lot to think about. That in real time, when the Torah records the story, it says, Ulai. Only when he's repeating over the story, does it say the Ulai Eli, that a shtickle I want. I ask everybody to think about it, but I want to say to the Chevra, is always, is we have, to, we have so many narratives in our own lives. And our capacity, Arye, to create narratives. To create narratives that aren't true and to create pictures. I have seen so many narratives created against the truth and we're so dangerous when we don't call out the truth. It looks like an ulay. What do you mean? I'm just like going through the possibilities. You're not just going through the possibilities. You're hoping to get her yourself. When you're being negative, you're not just saying, well, Ulai, it's a good point. She might not want to come back. No, you're trying to create that she doesn't want to come back because you want Eli. Calling out our own biases, our own paneas is extremely important. We have to, in our own lives, notice when an Ulai is Eli. When an Ulai is Eli. I had a thing yesterday, right? I called myself last night. I, 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 read, I said an Ulai and I caught the Eli. It was very yishmak. I, I caught my own Eli. I think it's important that we catch our Eli's. The, when the Ulai is really an Eli, we have to call ourselves out. We're very dangerous, and I, to me it's fascinating that the first time it doesn't even say Eli. It was completely, uh, there, was, there was no awareness that was an Eli. When he repeats it over, now I'm not sure, Pshat, that it doesn't say it the first time. I'll be honest. It's funny, when it happens, it says Ulai, and there's no, when he repeats over the story, and he's telling them what happened, there's all of a sudden an Ulai and an Eli. Now you could say, Chavri, you could say, when the, the objective story, the first time was the objective story, him saying over the Misa, so that's where you could detect the Eli. 
The first time Hashem saying what happened, and he said, so, and he said, Ula, that's what he said. The first time Hashem was saying the story, the second time he was saying the story, the Torah is not, the first time Hashem said, and Eliezer said, Ula, he did say Ula. When he said over the story, I said, Ula, if you were a good listener, you could detect the Eli. What were you saying, Vicky? On his way to... So that's when he discovered the Ula Yelai. Viggy says, as he was loyal to the mission, he was very loyal. And you find along the way in the story tremendous loyalty to the mission. So Viggy said, the bigger he became in loyalty, he was able to call out the Ula I like that a lot. It could be that he's trying to show how good of a guy he is. That I'm saying how good Yitzhak is that he wanted his daughter to. He's saying, even I want my daughter. Wow. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. He wanted the Eli to be noticed. That's amazing. Tzedek's brilliant shot, Yehuda. Brilliant. Yehuda, you know, when you called for a Shidduch, do you know one of the questions you get asked? I'm called for Shidduchim. If you had a daughter, that's like the standard question. Says Yehuda, I love this shot. Eliezer made it clear the Ulai Eli here for the benefit of his mission. He's, he made it clear, I really wanted it was there the first time. Here he actually called himself out. It was good for the sheikh. You should just know if I was able to have her, I would have, if I was able to have Yitzchak, I wanted him. <laughs> he told the Ulai and Eli, he said I wanted. I've already said on a sheikh, just understand that my daughter was older, you wouldn't get a chance to make this call. <laughs> I bavarned it before. Would you take it? They said, okay, okay, we were going to ask you that. <laughs> So the Ula Yelai, beautiful shot, you know, the brilliant. Okay, I should call you for a second, Shamus.